and welcome. This is Story You Talk Radio, and I am your host, Coach Debbie. I am coming to you from Seattle, Washington, where I help people write their books. And whether this is a book of inspiration or self-help or your memoir or your legacy, I love the opportunity to learn about what those stories are that you are collecting and putting together in a book. Each Thursday, I come to you at 4 o'clock, and I offer to you interviews with authors that have taken the leap before you to give you their expert advice. Sometimes I even hold classroom right here and offer tips about writing your own book, or even writing things like your blog, or your love letters, or your brand, or whatever that is that is calling to you at this time. In a little bit, we're going to get to my guest today who wrote the book, Which One Am I? Twelve Extraordinary People Like You. (laughs) And the whole idea behind this is that many of us are living what we think is an ordinary life, but we're often doing extraordinary work, and we're not really seeing it from that lens. We're just seeing it as what we do, or we're seeing it as what we're talented at. But what do the people that look at you say? They're probably saying, wow. And they're probably telling your story while you're not even there. This book gathers 12 of those stories, and it is an ode to the writer's mother who encompasses all the characteristics of the 12 people in the story. Just a little more housekeeping for you here. I am offering a 90-day mastermind for people who are getting ready to do their first, their second, or their third book. And this is an opportunity to really step into your author's voice. Now, sometimes that goes away after you've written your first book, or if you haven't written one yet, you're wondering, how do I do that? How do I claim the voice of an author? And really, a lot of this work is about getting comfortable with sharing your heart and with being very, very direct and articulate about that. I take you through a 90-day process, but if you are wanting a little sneak preview, all you got to do is go over to my Facebook page and say, can I have that sneak preview? And I'll let you in. It's a secret Facebook group. You can't search for it on Facebook. Mm -mm. Nope, there's no... There's no wizard behind the curtain getting ready to let you in. you got to come straight to me. And you don't have to qualify for those first two weeks, by the way. So send me a little personal message, if you like, on Facebook. And my the full spelling of my name is Debbie, D-E-B-B-Y. And the last name is Handrich. And it's just like it sounds, H-A-N-D-R-I-C-H. Or you can go to my Coach Debbie page, or you can send me an email, askcoachdebbie at gmail, askcoachdebbie, D-E-B-B-Y, at gmail.com. All righty, that's my housekeeping. I hope to hear from you. Also, if you would like to chime in on today's show, I will be checking my Facebook Messenger And I will be taking your questions, and so will my guests throughout the show. Always feel free to do that. If you're feeling really gutsy, you can call in and talk to the engineer. And the engineer is Eric. He's going to give me the phone number in a minute. But let's all say hi to Eric. How are you today? Hey, good afternoon and happy Thursday. Thank you. Thank you. How's your week been? It's been like super busy. It's been nonstop. It was great having the the holiday at the beginning of the week, but I feel like I'm just getting caught up now uh, by missing one day. <laughs> it is that way. I think those Monday holidays are a wonderful blessing while we're in them, but it, right. it takes a lot of pedaling to catch up. 
If you want to call in and offer a question on the show, uh, Eric and I are going to do this together. The phone number is one four two five three seven three. Mm. Five five two seven. <laughs> oh, he did a good job. I well, thought we were going to harmonize. I know. I thought we were too. <laughs> Let's see if I can do the other one a little better. The other one's one eight 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 two nine nine eight eight five five six nine. Also KKNW. So eight 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 two nine eight KKNW. It takes a village sometimes, <laughs> but we get it together here. All right, Eric, that's the voice you will hear if you choose to call in today and talk with myself or to my guest, who is Larry J. Snyder from the Seattle area, a philanthropist who went on an excursion to West Africa, started snapping some pictures, had a group of young girls who said, hey, which picture am I? Wow you imagine asking such a question? How do I identify with my image? And this started the unraveling of his latest project, which is now in print, Which One Am I? Twelve Extraordinary People Like You. Welcome to this show, Larry. How are you? Good. Thank you so much, Debbie, for letting me be here and share some thoughts about uh, many things, but especially about extraordinary people like you. Oh, well, thank you for coming all the way down today and being in the studio. Isn't this a lovely studio? Yes, it is. It's an absolutely beautiful studio with a lovely shot of uh, downtown Seattle and the Olympic Mountains as well. Mm-hmm. I love it myself. I love being here. I love talking to our listeners. A lot of them are on the drive home, mm-hmm. and they want to know about extraordinary people. And I think first off, they want to know that they are one of them. So to introduce this idea, I would love to find out about your philanthropy work and, and just, just lay it on me. Tell sure. me the story. Philanthropy and fundraising has been a, a family value of mine uh, for three generations. So my grandfather was a pillar of his community in the South Seattle area in Berrien. And, and uh, one of the things that he realized is that the, uh, the whole give to get lifestyle fit him very well and that he literally invested all of his time in community building which happened to then come back to him in uh, in droves in terms of building a furniture business that I was uh, grateful enough to grow up in and spend literally my first career but through those family values of um, of again serving uh, what I found out was that um, the money follows and so philanthropy for my family has really been about service first. And uh, through that network of great people and extraordinary individuals, uh, it happened to be that, um, that we were rewarded in a, in a very handsome way uh, in terms of uh, the give back, uh, in terms of, again, building a business. But on my mother's side, on my um, maternal side, my mother was an extraordinary woman who ran preschools and daycare centers in some of the roughest parts of Seattle. Most people know where Rainier Beach is, and um, one of the most challenging parts of Rainier Beach is called Holly Park. And so in the 70s, during the height of the crack, co- crack cocaine era, um, she was caring for children that um, either parent one or both parents were had been convicted and were in prison uh, or just living a very uh, challenging uh, set of moments in their life, and so she took responsibility, as did my sisters, for providing those children with their best meal, uh, their best hug of the day, and of course, um, my mom's real dream was to give these children at least uh, a chance at a better path of their life than that of their parents or what they were witnessing at home. So in a lot of ways, we could say we have an ordinary mom with ordinary love and a ordinary day, but she followed a certain path of offering an extraordinary gift. I think that, (laughs) frankly, every person on the face of this earth is born with that same set of uh, ordinary and extraordinary gifts. It, It really is just about looking out into the world. This is what I figured out and uh, following the path of those before you. And in my case, it would be my grandfather, my father, and, and truly my mother. 
Mm-hmm. Your mother's a lot like my mother. Is that right? Yeah, my mother is someone who has an extreme ability with needlework and mm-hmm. quilting and knitting, and she has made countless upon countless quilts for babies, yeah. hats for the homeless. Mm-hmm. Um, she she gave away something like two hundred hats that's, one that's outstanding. winter. Just yeah. yeah. Just because she knew how, but then you sit down and you look at them, and it, it's not like she just threw it together. No. Not a lot at of love all. went into to those, and again, I I I believe that your mother's path and my mother's path, and almost all of other mothers that I've met, uh, their path have given us really all the direction we really need. Um, and for again, for me, I'm just super grateful. Um, that I was born into this family. I could have been born anywhere, but I was born in this family. And that also the, the work in, in West Africa reminds me of that. When I stand in a village in the middle of Sierra Leone and look around, I think, again, I could have been born anywhere, but I was born on the 50-yard line of life. And so the way I see it now is my job, uh, my role, my inspiration is to reach my hand back to the five-yard line and pull these kids and these communities forward um, because I was lucky enough to be, uh, again, born in this country where we have a million options and they have one. So most of their options are subsistent farming and the work that the philanthropy work that um, I'm doing on behalf of an organization called Schools for Salone uh, in Sierra Leone, uh, which happens to be a Seattle-based organization, is, um, again, reaching back and giving these communities an opportunity to change their human experience, which is, uh, is a big driver for me. Mm-hmm. This is, in some way, the the philosophy that I learned as a, a special ed child, mm-hmm. you know, because I have 20% of my eyesight. And so oh. I was always paired with people that had less. Sure. So the idea wasn't, you know, Debbie, you know, poor girl. It was, let's use what you got. Sure. And, and let's make sure that you are empowering others. Yeah, and I think what you just told me is exactly what I experience. Um, not, again, not just in Sierra Leone, but mm-hmm. I work in in many different um, areas of need. So um, I work in street ministry, um, addiction recovery, suicide prevention, um, also uh, underfunded communities food-wise, and every one of those interactions reminds me of how fortunate I am, but also reminds me of how much responsibility I have yeah. <laughs> to be that person. And I accept that responsibility with great honor, but it also uh, is um, it's just a constant reminder to me of, of how much uh, good fortune I've had in my life. Mm-hmm. And accountability, because accountability sometimes comes back to our choice. Absolutely. I choose joy. And I was taught by a friend of mine whose name is Heather, who actually I wrote the story of, Heather Taninga, in the book. She taught me that joy goes to the giver. So if you, if, if you are the person who is chosen to be the helper, that's not work. That's the joy. Yeah. The motivation that comes from that is the joy that you get from helping people. And she has taught me, uh, I'll tell you one quick story that she taught me. So she was a, uh, a featured guest uh, at a uh, open forum. There's 400 people there. And uh, prior to months prior to this, um, she actually asked her friends to help her create a small fund that, um, that was specifically for that night, so this upcoming um, appearance. And the swag bag that went home uh, she announced on stage that everyone in the room was getting a swag bag, and her contribution to that swag bag was a $20 bill. There was 400 people there. Mm. And so on it, it said, was a small card that said, do something for someone else, and please let me know what you did for someone else by simply sending me an email to... I gave my 20 at gmail.com. Oh, nice. I'm telling you, Debbie, the stories that came from that are just so incredibly inspiring. And one more time, the joy goes to the giver. 
and she created 400 joyful givers that night. And But again, what people did with that 20 is mind-blowing because a couple just real quick ones. Uh, yeah, do tell okay, us. Okay, well, uh, one, one, or, one of them in particular was a woman said, I put that twenty dollars in my, in my the side pocket of my purse, and I I've known for months that it's been there, and I have given away so many twenty dollar bills because of that twenty dollar bill oh. that I've never given away that twenty dollar bill because it's motivated me to give away. So this woman is living a joyful twenty dollars at a time, uh-huh. but she's never given away the original twenty. Yes, oh that's beautiful. It's incredible. But again, twenty dollars. Uh, it, what it does for other people is one thing, but what it does for her mm-hmm. is what matters most to this story, in my opinion. Mm. Oh, I love that. I know there are many people listening that want to chime in on this. I just want to remind you, you can give us a call at one 298 5569 Is that right, Eric? Yeah, I think that's right. That's correct. Oh, good. And you can also write to me at Facebook Messenger. Or I bet you could write to Larry J. Snyder if you want at Facebook Messenger. He'll yes, take your absolutely. call directly. Yes, absolutely. would love that. So we're going to take our first break here. And in just a moment, we'll be coming right back and talking to you about that book. Hi, I'm Kathy Cooper, and every Wednesday from 1 to 2 p.m., I'll be hosting Lost and Found. We'll be discussing all types of losses, but it's not going to be the doom and gloom hour. It'll be an hour of education, support, validation, and yes, we will have a little bit of humor. So won't you join me Wednesdays, 1 to 2 p.m., Lost and Found, because every loss matters, and through every loss, something can be found. Imagine being fired because of who you love. Imagine being denied medical treatment because of who you marry. Imagine being evicted because of who you are. Millions of Americans don't have to imagine this. They have to live it. Because in 30 states, it's legal to discriminate against LGBT people. Get the facts at beyondido.org. Brought to you by the Gill Foundation and the Ad Council. Are you ready for something real, raw, upfront, and honest? Then tune in each Wednesday at 2 p.m. right here for Love from the Hip. I am spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and the host, Sakura Sutter. This show is unlike anything you have ever heard and was created to help others to help themselves. Hear me follow up with guests I have hypnotized and see how it has improved their lives. I will also spotlight amazing people from around the world. Their skin tips, live readings, and answers to life's burning questions. Join us each Wednesday at 2 p.m. Working hard to put a smile on your face. Alternative Talk 1150. Working hard to put a smile on your face. I love that. That's what we're doing here. We're helping you understand that you are extraordinary. Because you might be hanging out thinking, nah, I just go to work. I just come home. I just look after the kids. What's so extraordinary about that? I'm going to challenge you to look deeper, much deeper. And we're going to give you lots of examples today. We are talking to Larry J. Snyder, who wrote the book, Which One Am I? Twelve Extraordinary People Like You. And Larry's background, well, I don't know if it's fair to say your background is philanthropy or if your modus operandi is mm-hmm. philanthropy or what would be correct? I, I think that one of the greatest parts of the gifts that have come into my life is that what I was able to grow up in has become who I am. So I think I'm kind of living my background, so to speak. Um, What I'm really doing is um, also trying to honor the gifts that my grandfather and my father and my mother uh, provided for me in terms of direction and examples. And so I kind of think my background is also my present, which is my future. I I don't know if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense to me because... Um, I'm 57 years old, and I've dedicated the rest of my life to my mother's um, path. So um, kind of just quickly, uh, her her path was, again, she cared for um, the smallest and most vulnerable children in our lives. And 
Uh, she lived this extraordinary life of being a great community member and also a, um, a terrific uh, partner to my father and wife of almost 70 years and oh. great mother to me, uh, you know, just an incredible community member. And then unfortunately, she forgot it all. Really? Wow. And so that is my mission now is to remember for her and to remember because of her that all of that extraordinary life that she forgot is now my path forward. Oh, that's beautiful, Larry. Oh, I love that so much, so much. And I, I think this is what we we can do that we sometimes we don't see right away, this idea that we're all connected and where one person stops or or takes a huge breath, or might fall into grief, we can pick up. That can be our starting line. It, it is for me. Yeah. And uh, as I said, there are so many examples of what she left for us um, that even in my father's own words on the day that we celebrated her life is um, we, we have so much to celebrate going forward by looking back. And um, so what we've done in the past couple of years since she's been gone is not just visit the places that um, she loved so much, but try to live them uh, as if she was still here. And I'm really grateful for an opportunity that just came uh, up last week. I was notified that I'm going to be um, a speaker um, with TEDx. And this is going to be the big opportunity for me to share my mom's story and it's a story called I remember and it's that mission that that I have accepted uh, with her passing that I'm it's my turn Mm -hmm. it's my turn to remember for her and my turn to allow other people to hear that again an extraordinary woman can live through me and that's really was again part of writing this this book is that Every single person I've ever met and gotten to know, even a little bit, I've identified one or two qualities that I admired. And when I look back at all of those, the majority of them are things that I also saw in my mother. So Mm -hmm. everywhere I go out in life, I'm looking for my mother. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you're, you're looking, but you're in the process of constant honor. Constant. A- absolutely. Um, a- a honor. And again, it's a mission now. It's become so much of more of a <laughs> mission like than anything else um, because it makes me so happy to do it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, and, it does. And there were things that mattered most to her that matter most to me now. Kindness matters. Words matter. Hugs matter. Um, not rushing through things matter. Oh, that's a big one. Yeah, but I still do it. But she's kind of that wayfinder. If you do, you understand what yes, I'm saying? I do. That kind of wayfinder that says, um, "It's okay." That person who's waiting for you will understand that if you've been there because your mother wants you to be, <laughs> then they will understand because next they get this opportunity um, of us together. Absolutely, that will be our time and. That's probably my best excuse for why I'm late. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. I, I think it's wonderful that it has become a mission. Yeah. And a, another mission you took on were these 12 stories. Will mm-hmm. you tell us a little bit about making the decision to compile this book? Sure. I thought that I was, that I was on a path to write a story about my mother. Uh-huh. And that was truly the path. I wanted to write the 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 answer the the question was which one am i mm-hmm. the answer is my mother mm-hmm. and so um i thought that i was writing a book about my mother but as i explored the possibility of doing that i realized you know what there is a whole group of people in my view that have come before my life that remind me incredible amount their actions not their words their actions about 
they act like my mother would act if she was still here. Mm-hmm. And so each one of those people, and again, there's 12 of them, have uh, the attributes of my mother. And at the beginning of each chapter, there is a list of five attributes and what's amazing about this was I asked each one of uh, the people that I profiled in this book to ask someone close to them to give them five attributes that they admire. Well, it turns out, which is, again, mind-blowing to me, but I had a feeling this would be the case, but I didn't know, um, their attributes are all f- qualities that my mother walk through life with. Mm-hmm. And so you're doing it. You are writing this book, this ode to your mother, by way of the journey of 12 other people. Yes. Yeah. And so I just find that to be, this has been one of the most beautiful experiences of my life, not writing the book, um, but actually now living the book. Do you understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, in other words, I knew these uh, these 12 people were close to me, but I didn't realize how close they were. And it's because, once again, the attributes of their lives are all that my mother and my... my uh, I have a awesome dad, I call him, uh, who's still with us. He's uh, uh, will be uh, 88 years old and uh, doing great. Um, and, again, I see so much of my mom in him because... They were one of the same. He he's told me, I, in his memory, it's hard for him to remember a time that he was not with her. Because again, they were together for almost years seventy of marriage. years. That would do it. Yeah, yeah. they were. The, so anyway, yeah, that's the that's beautiful. And mm-hmm. when Larry speaks of these attributes, uh, an example would be hospitality, organized, goal oriented international grace and truth and gratitude. And these he attributed to Marty Hartman, who has a wonderful story among the other 11 in here. Will you tell us just a teeny bit about what attracted you to Marty's story? Well, And uh, how you saw your mother in Marty? Sh- absolutely. <laughs> uh, Marty Hartman runs an organization called Mary's Place, which has been... Um, well-documented as one of the most effective homelessness um, organizations in Seattle and the region, actually, now. They uh, care for all uh, women with children. They have uh, a day center that I used to visit um, before it moved, and now they have uh, several, um, they're, they're literally housing arrangements that have rescued women with children and the amount of love that you feel when you walk into any Mary's place is overwhelming. And again, this is exactly what it felt like when you walked into one of my mom's daycare centers. Oh. And so it should be not a, <laughs> not a coincidence that um, Marty was very near the top of my list when I started making. Uh, and I, I care for her so much. Um, and cause again, I, I feel like I'm kind of hugging my own mother, sure. uh, in, in terms of how she, uh, shows up in life. So to help our listeners identify, Marty did this wonderful thing by establishing Mary's place and, and safety for people. But what was her so-called ordinary life? I mean, was she a, a, woman who's married does she have children does she live in a simple home what um so yes she's married yes Mm -hmm. she has children what's really um for me fantastic is that her children understand how extraordinary their mother is yeah so right away i'm in their club for sure um i think the thing that's interesting about uh, marty's background and, and marty's life is is she came into the the service of others when people didn't realize how big the problem was. Okay. All right? And so we have gone, and I'm not an expert on uh, homelessness, but I, I'm, I work in street ministry, so I, I have an opportunity to see it with my own two eyes and feel it with my heart. Um, but we have, obviously, a regional, um, nearly epidemic of, of homelessness, 
but Marty was one of those first people that was able to um, make it into a cause mm-hmm. that drew a lot of um, the business community. Mm. So that was a difference. In other words, instead of going to government and saying, okay, government, I need you to fund this, Mm. she literally became a partner. Mary's Place became a partner in the business community. And so between No Child Sleeps Outside, which would be Starbucks, Amazon, and Dick's Drive-In, and many other contributors, I don't want to leave anybody out, but those are the three um, that are top of mind right now. Um, They have been the partner that has allowed Mary's Place to be um, what they are, a- along with some government help. But again, what makes it unique for um, for Mary's Place in particular is they've really done a great job of partnering with the business community, mm-hmm. which That's makes her a very wise person in my uh, view. Absolutely. We have a, a question from Stephanie who says... There are so many times that I have wanted to be a contributor, and yet I always feel like the funds are what holds me back first. It might not be the truth. It might be that I'm scared and it's convenient that I don't have any money to follow through. But as someone who would like to follow through, where might I go to collect the funds if I don't have them myself and I have a big project to offer and also a big heart. So the world of, of giving operates on three equities. The first one is time. The, the second one is talent. So, and the third one is treasure. We focus way too much of our efforts and time and publicity on treasure. When in fact, if you had all the money in the world and no time to do anything about it, that, that's wasted money. So my that makes sense. Uh, well, m- my suggestion to Stephanie is if you if you want to do something, go to Congregations for the Homeless website, cfhomeless.org, and sign up to serve a meal to a hundred men, and I will pay for the meal. Ah, there you go, Stephanie. Ask, just ask, see what happens. I love the idea of time and talent because especially in my work, I will often hear people say, you know, there's there's so many teachers out there, there's so many coaches out there, there's so many this and so many that. How are you different? And the difference always comes up in how you offer your time and how you channel your talents, always. Well, also too, this is where extraordinary comes in. And what I mean by that is my mother nor my father were wealthy people, Mm -hmm. but they gave all of their time to others, Mm -hmm. including their own family. But that's what made them extraordinary. And Stephanie, that's what makes you extraordinary. You have this call to serve. That's Mm -hmm. extraordinary. You have this desire to figure it out. That's Mm -hmm. extraordinary. And you have the ability to reach out and ask for help. That's extraordinary. All three of those things are what makes you extraordinary, Stephanie. Absolutely. And if you heard that, Stephanie, he's not saying you will become extraordinary. He's saying you are. You are because you're tapped into these things that are real and bubbling for you. The yeah. need that, excuse me, the need to serve is, I believe, I'm not a, a psychologist. But I believe the need to serve other people is the root of happiness uh, in the world that you live in, the environment that you spend time in. The need to serve others is a, it has to be a uh, a key ingredient in in happiness. Huge driving force. Mm -hmm. Absolutely huge. Just like Stephanie, if you have a question for us, we will be taking your questions in the third segment of the show here. You can just write to us at Facebook in the personal messenger, and you can write to Debbie Handrich. That's me. You can write to Coach Debbie. That's me. Debbie is always spelled with a Y. Or you can write to Larry J. Snyder. That's him. And he'll take your your call as well. We're going to take a little break here, and when we come back, 
we'll be diving into more stories of the extraordinary. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Marilyn Milano. If you love animals, then please check out my new show, Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays from 9 to 9.30 a.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. I'll be talking with rescue groups, animal advocates, and other organizations that help animals, sharing their stories, and giving our listeners some tangible ways in which they can help make a difference. That's Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Raising awareness, touching hearts, and saving animals' lives. Going our own way every day. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back. You are listening to Story You Talk Radio, and I am your host, Coach Debbie. I help people write their books, their blogs, their love letters, whatever it is that they're trying to write, because really my message is about making sure whatever your true voice is, is getting expressed in the world, or just to a special few. If you are curious and would like to learn more, I invite you to consider my Facebook group. We are going for 90 days seriously, and that will that part will kick in soon. But right now, we're going for 14 days for free. All you have to do is hang out with the lovely people that have joined so far, and you can raise your hand and ask questions. You can comment, you can offer live posts, whatever you like. All you need to do is get in touch with me, and you can do that by writing to, uh, let's see, askcoachdebbie at gmail.com. Askcoachdebbie at gmail.com. I also resurrected my old email. That's what was stumping me for a minute there. And that's debbie, D-E-B-B-Y, at CoachDebbie.com. All right. I hope to see you there. We're talking to Larry J. Snyder today about philanthropy, but we're really talking about being honest and authentic and putting your talents out into the world by taking the time to exercise your talent. And as he said uh, a moment ago, so, so authentically, that the treasure is actually the third component. And we don't necessarily want to be thinking that the treasure needs to be in place to get started. So I'm curious about someone that you perhaps have met, that you've worked with, that you know their story, where they had some just huge desire to go out and do a little more. And by doing so, you know, they went through some sort of change that made you just, again, identify that this person is somewhat like my mom. Who comes to your mind? Wow. Um, because I go out in life <laughs> literally looking for my mother every day and find her in some of the most extraordinary and ordinary places, I think that um, the one of the, the meetings that I had earlier today is uh, a gentleman who used to be a city council member on the Bellevue City Council. His name is Kevin Wallace. And in, um, in probably the last, I'm going to say, year, I've been able to get to know him a little bit better. He comes from a, a, a legacy family, has worked really diligently in the real estate business. But one of the things that appeals to me most about him is that he put his hand up and said, homelessness on the east side is my problem to solve. Mm. He did not have to do that. He doesn't necessarily have, in most people's view, the time to do that. But what he saw was that he had a extraordinary opportunity to use his significance in the community and also his ability to ask people to help him. And through that, what has happened is he has realized that he is the answer to the homelessness issue on uh, the east side by partnering with Congregations for the Homeless, who I referred to earlier. 
And now he has created uh, an opportunity for, once again, the business community that that, um, he is uh, deeply entrenched in to help him on this path. And what he's discovered, and this is the answer to your question, is there's a whole lot of people that want to help. But had he not taken the time that he didn't have to go out and say, hey, uh, company you, company you, company you, would you please partner with me on this? He had no idea how unbelievably um, optimistic these partners would be that would come along beside him. And again, I'm really proud of this guy because he he again reached out into the community and said, come with me on this path. And now everybody's excited because we get to build the shelter that that they want to build that will have the outcomes that they want to have through Congregations for the Homeless. And um, again, that's one person. I could tell you dozens of stories and we don't have time for that, but that's very top of mind to me because again, an extraordinary um, act of someone putting their hand up and saying, this is my problem to lead um, is really inspiring to me. Absolutely. I, th- I think we have to dig down into something you have brought up because this is so important. And that is we often ask ourselves, how much does it matter? If we don't see someone else doing it first, we, we almost talk ourselves into the idea that it must only matter to me. And, and that so is not the truth. I'll, gi- I'll give you an example. Um, when I was teaching at the college one year after our literary magazine had won many awards and we had now gone to nationals and we won first place. Wow, that's great. Yeah, I was very, very happy. Um, and this was, you know, a, just a little project I took on, and it, it grew big. But we came back, we applied to the student government for our funds, and for whatever reason, we didn't get our $22,000 budget. We got zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, sports got $268,000. I had a feeling there was a comma there somewhere. Yeah. Thousand yeah. dollars, and I didn't get my twenty-two. Mm-hmm. So I was—I can't say those words here. And I went to a few students and said, "I—I I want to fight. Yeah. Is this? Does this matter to you?" And they said, "Oh yeah, oh this matters. We're not going down. Yep. We're number one on the, you know, shoreline has made its name on the map because we of this. won our way we here. Won. Yeah." Exactly. And so we went to student government and there were all these students that had gotten on their phones and texted previous years who texted Mm -hmm. previous years. And I saw students who I hadn't seen in 10 years show up to student government and fight Mm -hmm. for 22 grand. Yeah, that's fantastic. I love that. It was. But I was going to turn around and walk away, Larry, because I thought... Maybe this only matters to me. And and when you find out, when you have conversations, you find out that three people will tell three people sure. and you're going to fill a room of 3,000 people and you get, you're going to see where that goes. Your right? 22 grand will come <laughs> at you. Yeah. Real fast. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, that there are so many times that I have seen uh, opportunities of inspiring people that have chased um, a, an idea that that probably wouldn't matter to other people, but it mattered to them. Yeah. And that is really what which one am I is about. A- each one of these people represents a number of different uh, missions, so to speak. Um, and they could have given up at any time. They could have never started. Sure. But again, they did. And there's so many people like these 12 people that I see out in the world because it it does re- literally start with you. You mm-hmm. look in the mirror at yourself and you say, this matters. This does matter to me. And then you have to decide maybe one other person. And remember, when you find one other person that cares, that's twice as many as you started with. 
That's a good point. <laughs> but I mean, it's true. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I'm not a math major here, but <laughs> I know that scale um, when it comes to uh, evangelism uh, is really one one at a time. But then the collective group is was that's how you got uh, your your goal accomplished. Right. Was yeah. not because you cared, but because twice as many people cared when you found the one person other than you. Mm-hmm. And that's really about talking and sharing with other people, whether it's it your is. coworkers or people in social groups or people that you hang out with um, in, in your, your time of um, uh, when you don't have anything necessarily else. It might be the person that you run into sitting on a bench at the park. It could be anybody, anywhere. Um, people care a lot about a lot of things, and that's what I really love about um, being involved in philanthropy is that I get to hang out with people that truly care about a lot of different things. And again, I could list them, but <laughs> there's mm-hmm. almost too many, too many to list. My, my partner, Jill, um, she, she worries that I care um, not just too much, but about too many things. <laughs> and um, she's been a fantastic partner along the way that has allowed me to um, really accomplish so much that my life, there's no way I would be um, where, where I am passionately now uh, without her support. So it's important to me. And I love the word partner. I've always yeah. loved the word partner. Yeah. It, it makes me happy that we partner with people that see our passion for developing and giving our time. Sure. And they remind us of our talents, and then they say, okay, sure, yeah. go ahead, yeah. get out there. And she's also it. really good at um, bringing other friends in. Yeah. And I'll give you just a quick uh, example. So when I do book launches, I typically do them as charity events. So to, to do a well-done charity event of 120 people or so, um, you need some food. And mm-hmm. you need a lot of food. 120 people is a lot of people yeah, to, cr- to create food for. So food, wine, decorations. Um, I have to, uh, there's so many pieces that go into one of these events that become benefit events uh, in that we give the, the benefit, uh, the, the dollars away. And which one am I? The beneficiary is an organization called the Beyond Project, uh, which is, again, a hugely passionate um, uh, part of what's going on in the homelessness world in Seattle. But uh, Jill and her friends do all the food, they do all the prep, they do, and they do it with a smile on their face because that's what they contribute. They yeah. contribute their time uh, towards this passion that I have, and again, I'm just immensely grateful for that because I could not do it without them. Mm-hmm. Again, coming back to the time and the talent no that people come together with. Yeah, and you know my sweet one, Todd Allen, He yes. he is always ready to raise his hand and do whatever he can to make Debbie's big dreams come true mm-hmm. and, and in any way that I want them to right. come true. And I love that. Yep. It's so good. People you're going to run into in this book, one is a piano teacher, uh, one is a senator. What else do we have in the book? There's uh, Chef John Howie, very, very special, one of the most generous chefs I've met in my life. I've met a lot of very generous people in the food service industry, and he's definitely there at the top. Um, again, Heather Taninga, who we talked about earlier. Uh, my, my very special friend, John Christensen from Highland Private Capital, he showed me street ministry. I had no idea what, that, what part of that heart, what part of my heart belonged to that, but it's a huge part of my heart now. And without him taking me out on the UGM rescue van in the middle of the night, helping heroin addicts get through the night, helping people realize that for five minutes um, there's another human being that actually wants to talk to them and cares about them and treats them visible instead of invisible. Um, Senator Andy Hill, who you talked about, the late Senator Andy Hill, uh, I got uh, to know him through um, autism advocacy work in Olympia. And uh, again, a very special man who left a giant legacy that um, myself and his wife, Molly, still um, are very engaged in. Um, Again, each one of the people in this book are extraordinary individuals on their own. But because I see so much of my mom in them, I'm drawn to them immensely. Mm -hmm. 
I understand that. Mm-hmm. I understand that very well. I think one of the things I want to leave with our listeners today is that no matter how you're you're living your life, it's quite possible that something extraordinary is sort of giving a little niggling talk into your ear or or a little pounding by your heart or a little word that runs through your mind that says, you know, I could I could exercise a little talent here. Mm-hmm. And I think the number one way to get it going is to talk to people. Yes. Has that been your experience? It, uh, yeah. And actually, the good thing about me is um, I am one of those people that will listen to anybody. <laughs> I'm serious. I am and too. I don't care <laughs> about their ideas. I just want to hear them. Because I'm the helper guy, remember? I, I'm living my mother's life. I'm the helper guy. So you tell me what you is in your mind, and I'm going to go to the end of the earth to help you get it. Got it? Especially as, uh, as it pertains to service to other people. And Stephanie's a great example. She is in the back of her mind, and maybe it's in the front of her mind, wondering, how can I get this done? Well, you get it done by talking to people, and she was smart enough to reach out and say, yes. help me. Yes. And uh, like I said, I will go until the earth ends to help people serve others because it makes me so happy to do so. I think you're hired. I think you're going to help me figure out how I'm going to fund my little publishing company so I can tell the story of Special Olympians. I would, I would do that in five seconds because uh, some of my very special friends actually that that have um, the ability to help um, have uh, special olympics uh, kids awesome yeah so let's let's do it i love it when i meet the right people (laughs) listen everyone you have been tuning in today to story you talk radio where we talk about all kinds of extraordinary expression in the world but mostly about yours, and how is it that you are going to express your articles, your blogs, your books? Where is it that you need help making this happen? I invite you to join me every Thursday at 4 o'clock p.m. right here, Pacific Time or 7 o'clock Eastern Time. You can always watch from your computer, and that's 1150kknw.com. Until we meet again, namaste, my friends.